0: In your Bibles, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, the first six verses, shall we all stand as we honor God by the reading of his word. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and uh, verse 1. It says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, The words of my mouth, my doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock His work is perfect All for all his ways are judgment A God of truth and without iniquity Just and right is he They shall have corrupted themselves Or they have corrupted themselves their spot is, uh, is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus, requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise, is not he thy father that hath bought thee redemption? You see right here. Hath he not made thee and established thee. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts as we center our thoughts on the subject ascribing greatness unto our God. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks for redeeming us, forgiving us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, And have made us your people. Oh God we therefore ascribe greatness unto you. And we give you the honor and the glory that is due to your name. Lord you have redeemed us and washed us. And give us 10,000 reasons and more to praise your holy name. Father we pray for those who are down in the dumps. We pray to your God that today they will be resurrected. They'll be brought back to life. They'll be revived. And Lord, that your will be done in our lives. And grant healing to those who need it. Grant salvation to those who are still outside of the family. And for those Christians who are cold and backslidden, may they be stored to fellowship these verses we ask for Jesus Christ, O Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Ascribing greatness unto our God. According to the last verse of the previous chapter, Which could be the first verse of this chapter. This is the final song of Moses. Before he took his journey to his final resting place. Isn't that wonderful? That a man took his walk to his final resting place. No undertaker took him there. And there was nobody to bawl and cry. Look at the last verse in the previous chapter. And you'll understand what I'm saying. And also verse 19. Look at the last verse. Chapter 31. And the last verse. And if you have Bible with uh, topics. Over the last verse it says. The song of Moses. And it reads. Verse 30. And Moses spake in the years of. Of the children of Hosariah. All the congregation of Israel. The words of this song. Until they were ended. Verse 19. Now therefore. That is of chapter 31 verse 19. Now therefore. Write ye this song for you. And teach it. To the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Like Psalm 3, which was sung here, when they were singing the song, I took out my outline, and said, "Man, look here, Psalm 3. <laughs> like Psalm 3, that the song, and they had no idea that I was going to mention it. I'm not making this up because I have it written here. Like Psalms 3, Psalms 30, Psalm 23, and Psalm 61. Which music have been put to, you know, Psalm 23. We all sing Psalm 23 in school. I don't know if they still do that. I hope that someone could put some music to the words or the song of Moses. Psalm 32 is a song. Boy, the longest song that you might be it is somewhat lengthy, but you don't have to use the whole song. Pastor Wayne, I don't know if you do music. Have you put music to words? But um, somebody could put some music to these words here. You don't have to use all of it, like Psalm uh, Song Number Ninety-Seven and Verse Three. If you have a songbook. And you want to turn to song number 97 and verse 3 that was sung earlier. And um uh psalm 90. Oh, sorry, song number, this is not song, song number 97 and verse 3. I could not help it but get a song book. And I look it up, and it says in the third stanza, so it would say song number 97, verse 3. It says, and I'm not going to read all of it in the interest of time, but it talks about. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty what? Ascribe and crown him Lord of all. I marvel. I said, wow, this is beautiful. God certainly must be saying to him, what is our topic? What is our subject? Ascribing greatness unto our God. And this is from the Word of God. If you look again at verse 3 of chapter 32, Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Amen. 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 However, until such time, let us look at the substance in this song. And again, you don't have to put the music to the entire song because uh, it's a lot of verses, really. But, I say substance because these days so many of the songs and the music have little or no substance to them. You cannot understand one thing what I must say. In verse 1, Moses invited heaven and earth to pay attention to this psalm because it's going to be a witness against you when you turn against God. Heaven and earth could mean angels and men. It could also mean great and small pay attention. Attention, poor or rich and poor also it could mean. Heaven and earth here, it is a metaphor. And in verse 2, we have another beautiful metaphor about his doctrine and his speech. There is a revealed doctrine here to which He invites heaven and earth to pay attention to his doctrine. Would to God that people will pay attention to what God is saying. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. The dew and the rain are seen as emblems of the teachings most suitable for religious instruction. It is said that religious teaching fail if it does not inspire men to such conviction of God's greatness and lead them to honor, worship, and serve him. Do people understand when they say in the Our Father prayers thine is the kingdom the power and the glory. Do people just rattle off these things because they know them by heart and they understand what they are saying when they say thine is the power the honor In the glory, it all belonged to you. In times past, when the servant of the man of God spoke, heaven and earth listened. But in modern times, there are so many voices and uncertain voices. And when you have YouTube and anybody could put everything out there, And Zuckerberg and them could take off whatever they want, even though you're speaking truth. And they say that they are the um, architects and they're going to decide what is truth and what is not. That's where we are. Sad. If the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will rise up to go to battle? And so we have a lot of uncertain sounds. And as a result, people do their own thing. They go their own way. Sometimes, it is necessary for you to turn off the confused voices around you. God be thanked that you can choose what to listen to. And you choose what to reject. Moses said, my doctrine shall drop as rain. I'd like us to change the word "drop" lest you get the mis uh, the, the wrong understanding. I like to use a softer word because um, he didn't mean it as though you're going to drop it like a bomb. It meant, and so we're going to use the word "fall." My doctrine shall fall as rain instead of drop. All right, because he give you that tough song when he say. Drop. Like a gun. Drops a bomb on you. No, you're not in Russia. Um, (laughs) Doctrine spoken by him might fall upon men like rain and dew upon the earth. You know what it is like, and you understand when we don't have any rain and we don't have any dew. Back in the good old days, whenever that was, we used to have a lot of dew. And in the morning, when you wake up, there's a lot of dew on the earth and on the grass. And you could see it on the grass like snow. I hardly ever see that anymore. I don't know what has gone wrong with the, what has gone wrong with the dew. But anybody notice that we don't, uh, maybe the older heads, the young ones, don't know what I'm talking about. But they usually be white, and it looks like snow in the morning, on the nice green grass. And the animals would love it because they get water and they get their grass. They get their food. But I notice that we hardly see that anymore. But that dew is very important. And that rain, and you know how important the rain is. And that is exactly what Moses is talking about here. In that His doctrine and the dew will fall upon the earth or, again, it's a metaphor in that it will penetrate into the hearts and influence them and to produce good fruits. That man, his doctrine will fall like dew and rain and penetrate the heart of man. So it would influence the man our uh, influence man to do that which is good and that which is right because there is so much evil in the world. However, the words that Moses spoke here seem to be prophetic. In that, as we shall see that when we come down to the points here, especially the first point that Moses, it seems to me that Moses was talking about things that he didn't quite understand. You remember that God told Daniel, when Daniel said, God, I don't understand what you're saying here. God said, Daniel, shut up the books. This is not for you. But this is for people to come. And it seems as God was saying the same thing to Moses. And some of the things that Moses has said before, and uh, some of it in Psalm 91, um, and some of the other Psalms which we shall look at, And you'll see that Moses knew what he was talking about. And he was talking about the redemption of Jesus Christ and Jesus uh, coming and redeeming the world. But um, in keeping with our subject, Ascribe ye greatness unto God. The question is, Why and how should we ascribe greatness unto our God? The word ascribe, it means to assign, to give, to regard as belonging, giving something to someone, ascribing greatness to God. And so number one, what shall we ascribe to God? We ascribe to God, first of all, greatness because He is the true rock of our salvation. Amen. Amen. And you may also put it here, he's the true rock of our redemption, as Sister Rennell just sang there. Our Redeemer. And that song just fills our hearts and it puts something, penetrates the heart. It does something for you. And if it doesn't do anything for you, perhaps you need to run to the altar and ask God to put some, fall some dew and some rain in your heart so that your heart can bring forth good fruits. In verse 4, look at it again. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity just and right is he. Time will not permit us to look at all the Psalms that Moses wrote and talk about the rock and God be, being our rock and Jesus Christ being the rock of our salvation and even the Apostle Paul spoke about it in uh, First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 to 4 uh, Paul talk about Moses talking about well, the rock Jesus Christ, as we shall see in a little while when we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 to 4. But before we get there, look at Psalm number 18 and verse 22. Very quickly, if you can, uh, we got to move on very quickly. It says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. Amen? My deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust. Amen? My buckler and my horn. The horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 61 and verse 2. From the end of the earth. Don't we sing this one? Don't we? So why can't we sing um, 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 Psalm 32 (laughs) and um, uh, uh, Psalm 90 and Psalm 91? We need to sing these Psalms and not chant them, but put music to them. Amen. Psalm 62. Verse 2. He also is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Greatly moved here if though sickness come. If though problems come. I will not be greatly removed. He may bring me low. These problems and storms may bring us low, but they will not bring us totally down. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is God. Psalm 95 and verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise unto the rock of our salvation. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Amen. Sing the psalms like we sing psalm, like we sang psalms 3 this morning wow boy that was so timely for the Lord is a great God amen and a great king above all gods and all kings verse 4 in his hand are the deep places of the earth the strength of the hills is his also the sea is his and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land and the wet one too. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. And let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Amen. Amen. Now you understand how and why we should ascribe. Greatness to God. You may say, I'm not a scribe. Yeah, but you can ascribe greatness to God. Amen. You don't have to be a writer, you don't have to be a songwriter. You may not even be able to read, but you can ascribe greatness to God. Give Him the honor and glory. Kneel down before your maker. Get up in the morning first thing. Roll off your bed. And, and um, you know, thank God you have a bed to roll off. But then we didn't have any bread to roll off. If you sleep in a cocus bag with some lodging, how could you roll off a bed? I'm serious. We did not have any bed. The older ones might have a bed and you sleep either to the head of the bed or the foot of the bed or maybe under the bed. Now children have their own room. Unlock the door and the parents can't go in there. As if they petty rent. (laughs) is bed and they don't know how to get off the bed and get down on their knees and pray and thank God for a bed. Nice silly mattress and thing. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17 and Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but the Father which is in heaven, who also revealed it to Moses. Well, that's my put in there. I put that in there. And I say unto you also Peter that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. Do you know up until this day there are people still say that the rock, the rock that Jesus Christ referred to was Peter. They don't understand the language. Jesus Christ said you are Peter and Peter upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You will you, you wonder How could in a day like this such ignorance could prevail that people will tell you that Peter is the rock? Peter, you are a little pebble, but I am the rock. And that is exactly what Moses said. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you have any doubts about that, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. And you see what Paul says here, and Paul would not contradict Peter. and moses moreover brethren i would not have you that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were there baptized unto moses in the cloud as in the sea and did all eat of the same spiritual meat the manna from heaven And did all drink of the same spiritual drink. For and for drink, drank, they drank. Of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Jesus Christ. So Moses knew exactly what was going on way back then. That this rock, and that's why Moses was not supposed to strike the rock. And when Moses took the sick and struck the rock, God was displeased. Because the rock supposed to flow freely, the water of life. And for that reason, Moses did not enter the promised land because he disobeyed God and struck the rock. And the water came out anyhow. But God was not pleased. think we've got to be careful and obey God. And whatever God says to you, do it. For God is right and he will not lead you wrong. And so here we see brethren that is Jehovah the Rock whose name Moses proposed to publish right here in this chapter. Moses knew what he was talking about. Our God to whom the heavens and the earth are called upon to ascribe greatness even Christ the Rock of our salvation The rock of refuge. So that sinners could take shelter and find justice. Justice of God and run away from the wrath of God because wrath of God, God will pour his wrath one day. And so, we hide in that rock from our enemies. And so we have we ascribe greatness to God because He's the true worker for salvation. Number two, we ascribe greatness to God because His work is perfect and His work is great. So make that one rather than number two and number three. His work is perfect, His work is great don't have to look at verse 4 again. But in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 31 it says, For as God, his way is perfect, and his word, or the word of the Lord, is tried, tested, and proven, that he is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Amen? For who is God? Save the Lord. And who is that rock? Save God. Verse 33 goes on and says, God is my strength and, my, and power. He maketh my way perfect. As God's way is perfect, so he make our way perfect in spite of the fact that they were crooked. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and set me upon a high place. Amen? Amen? Thanks be to God for setting us on his rock. And his rock is a shelter and a shield. And there we can trust. Number three, not only that we ascribe greatness to God because he is the true rock of our salvation and that his work is great and perfect, but number three, his judgments are just and right according to verse four. Brethren, has I thought of this, that God's judgments are just and right. He never go wrong. I thought of the fact that judges sometimes do get it wrong. And I've seen that firsthand but I thought of a particular young man at the age 26 in the United States. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he was held and accused of committing a murder. But he did not commit. 26 years old. And he was convicted to prison for 40, no, for um, life, life in prison. And forty years later, thank God to what they call DNA or something or the other, they found out that he was not the person who committed murder, it was not possible for him to commit murder. And after forty years, at age what well, it was, sixty six, he was released from prison and given twenty seven million dollars. I asked my wife this morning as I thought of it, I said, Marilyn, how would it feel? How would you feel? It, after being in jail for a crime you did not commit for 40 years and she almost got to jail for a crime she didn't commit and she was told and she was not that you get 27 million dollars and she said listen it wouldn't mean one thing because Eric you and I probably have made more than $20 million, 27 million dollars but we know got none <laughs> but we enjoyed it but here you have 27 million dollars 40 at age 66. What are you gonna do with it? Not out of your time to die because you spend 40 years sitting down in jail. You know, no, no, no it must be half crippled. And I said to him, You know what? I sure would not want to be in that stage. You lost 40 years of your life, your youthful days. What good is 27 million dollars? Some people may say, Hey, I could go buy a new car, and whatever, whatever. But he said that he, one thing he regret that. He was not able to attend his mother's funeral. He lost all on having a family. Now he has $27 million. What is he going to do with it? Not only are you going to die and leave it to somebody else. I said, wow. I said to Marilyn, I'm glad that I'm not that judge. Or maybe it was jurors who sentenced a man to life in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And he lost 40 years of his life. You think of it. Not that somebody would say, oh, I would love that. You think of it, you would not. And I say, I'm glad that I'm not that judge. I was not a juror who sentenced a man to life in prison for a crime he did not commit. And 40 years later, they found that he was an innocent man. However, he just says he's going to go on and enjoy his life, but he missed out not having a family. He missed out not being able to attend his mother's funeral. But I thought... It says here, all his judgments are just and right. Amen? Amen? Brethren, God would never, ever judge you wrongfully. You can trust him for that. Number four. It says here in verse four, we must ascribe greatness to God because he he don't make any wrong judgment. Number four, we ascribe greatness to God because he's without iniquity. (laughs) Amen? Amen? come on man say amen. amen in his nature in his heart in his lips he has never committed iniquity there is none who would say that God that's God he is without iniquity thank God for that and we should never accuse God wrongfully because God is not guilty Of any wrong. He does not do anything wrong. Finally. Number five. We ascribe greatness to God. Because he is just. And right. Both. As a divine person. And as a man. And a mediator. As he came down. And gave his life. And he was wrongfully judged, and that sentence to death. But thank God he did not retaliate. A lover and do of righteousness so that we too always could be made perfect. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're a person and you're crooked and you do a lot of crooked things, come on, you need to get out of that and come into this. It's about Time. That you put away deceitfulness. You live right and keep out of the dark places. And don't put on a false front when you're in people and then in secret you do that which is evil. No, that is not the way of righteousness and God would not have us to live like that. A worker out of righteousness in people's heart and life, a justifier of all men. If we will commit ourselves to him. Right and upright. And he expects us to be up or right and upright in our doings and our dealings. God our savior. And therefore, greatness must be ascribed to God. I warn you. I warn you about ascribing greatness to man. A lot of us lift up politicians and things as though they are gods. They're human! And when they command that you do this and you do that, and it is not according to the work of God and the word of God, you stand up and say, I will not. You ain't God. Excuse the expression. You are just human. His works are great. His creation. You think of his creation. Didn't Sister Reynolds think, he thought, sing here today about his creation? Boy, I mean, I was just moved by this. Pastor Wayne, again, I was just moved by the songs that you have selected. And if I told you that I was going to preach about this, I don't think that you could have chosen better songs. And brethren, you could see the hand of God and the working of God and the leading of God in these things. And God is saying something to you. He's creator. He made the earth. In your Sunday school lesson, that there's that thing that we're going to deal with on Easter Sunday. And brethren, it's just marvelous and some statistics, statistics and figures given there in the Sunday school book of um, how, God, uh, how, how the sun and the moon, how they work in sync and how God created them there and they are consistent. And over the years and all these years, the sun and the moon and all those stars have never collided. That's the working of God. And therefore, we ascribe greatness to Him and stop talking nonsense about the the world is evolving. The world was evolving. But I think the sun and the moon and the stars have been there forever. And we got to ascribe greatness unto God and most outstanding. And particularly, is the redemption and the salvation that he has provided for us. A great savior, a great high priest, a great prophet, a great king. And there is none like him. And all of you, brethren, we need to get familiar with the attributes of God. And there is no man has these attributes. And when we speak of attributes, we are talking about he's omnipotent. He's sovereign. We're talking about the fact that he's omnipresent. He's all powerful. We call it omnipotent. There is none like him. And as a result, we have trivialized trivialized greatness. And that, if you could kick a ball, you are the greatest. And if you could jump up and throw a ball in a basket. Oh boy, he's great. And so when it comes to the greatness of God, we miss out on it. Because if you can sing and you get up, Oh man, the boy, he has so much talent, he could sing. And he's great. And so when it comes to God, we think that, oh God, could just probably throw him. Ball and no. When you think of the universe, you have to think of the greatness of God. When you think of God giving his son to die, you've got to think of his greatness. When you think of his greatness, what do you think about? I couldn't help but started to think. when I, I don't even remember what it was, but a few weeks ago, because I guess you should now be in the book of um, uh, Ruth and uh, 1 Samuel by now. But it was weeks ago, and I read it, and I read this, and I read it every time, and I can't remember. I don't remember. I said to my wife, you know, I think I've preached on this passage before, but I have so many thousand outlines. I can't go search all of them to find out because there was no computer then, and you had no way of recording these things. And all I did with my sermons, really, is I just um, put them by ear. And all the sermons for 1997, I put them in one stack. And if I could remember what year it was, I could go back there and find it. And all the uh, mess sermons for 9- 2005, they're in one stack. And um, all the sermons for 1999 uh, 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 and 1980. And uh, all pu- all the sermons before 1997, I said, listen, this is my job. I'm just throw them away. You know. <laughs> And so I can't go back there. So that's the good of computer. You know, you could go back in your computer and say, "Look, um, well, I have those recorded from um, since my son taught me how to do that, and I could go back and find them." But this was years ago. But I thought, you know, as I read this, I said, "I believe I did this, but I can't." And the Lord just laid it upon my heart, and this verse stuck out to me: "He is the rock." Well, first of all, ascribe scribe. Greatness unto God. He's the rock. His work is perfect. What it means here when he says all his ways are judgment, all his judgments are correct. He never sentenced anybody to prison for a crime they did not commit. A God of truth. A God without iniquity. Wow. Just and right is he. And then verses 5 and 7, that's another sermon, talks about how the ways of man are crooked and people who think that they are wise, they are foolish, and they are wise, the wisest part of them is foolishness when it comes to the wisdom of God. Think about it. Have you accepted the redemption that God has provided? Where are you when it comes to ascribing greatness to God? Do you give God what belongs to him? You give the government what belongs to them, and you're supposed to. But you, do, do you give God what belongs to him? I believe we have fallen short in, when it comes to giving God what belongs to him. God should be first place in your life. May I ask you, is God first place? Does God have first place in your heart and in your life? How? How can we ascribe greatness to God? That's another sermon in itself there. How? You ascribe greatness to God, you'll be in church whenever the doors are open. You sing to the honor and glory of God and not to yourself. You fall on and worship God. You give God thanks every day. I thank God every day for keeping me from accidents. Not just one day, but just every moment of the day. Whenever we move off from home, I can't close my eyes and pray, Marilyn, would you please pray while we're driving? And brethren, these days, you better pray when you get on the road. Before you leave. And you may not be able to close your eye. Maybe you're in the car by yourself. Maybe your wife is not there. And you don't know, you know, but you ask your wife, would you please pray because you're in a hurry and you have to go. But you don't have to shut your eye and pray, pray, oh God, please keep me safe on this road. And you need it. Because it comes close to accidents so many times. It's the hand of God that keeps you. So you give honor. Ascribe honor and glory to God. When was the last time that you really ascribe honor and glory to God? When was the last time you gave a testimony of the goodness of God?